in a world where Mad Lab Theater. What are you doing? Making the Mad Lab ad for Cinema Wheeler Tay. Oh, here's my other one. Susan thought it was just another day, and then she met Mad Lab. Why don't you just say that Mad Lab is the new works theater in downtown Columbus, featuring hilarious comedies, powerful dramas, improv with FFN, the annual Young Writers Festival, and the longest-running shorts festival in central Ohio, Theater Roulette. That sounds pretty awesome, especially when I do it over the Star Wars theme. Star Wars is always a good choice. Mad Lab, the original. For more information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit us at madlab.net. Lord loves a working man. Don't trust Whitey. See a doctor and get rid of it. Welcome to another episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. It's uh, Sean, Tony, and Scott, as usual. Hello. And we're joined by uh, another two-timing guest. I guess we've had on more than once. Uh, he is. He's a little suspicious, you know, but we love him anyway. Uh, from the Cleveland Plain Dealer and uh, the Columbus Improv All-Stars and various other outlets, Mr. Jeremy Peltzer. Hi, it's uh, great to be back. Yes. Hi. Welcome. Yeah. And we brought on Jeremy to talk about a movie that he may not uh, be as familiar with as as we are, but one we're excited to get his take on. Anyway, it's uh, the movie from 1979, uh, Steve Martin's theatrical debut as a lead, uh, The Jerk. Uh, and for me, uh, this is a movie that kind of speaks directly to my comedic sensibilities. You know what I mean? Like, what I find extremely funny, I think this movie nails from start to finish, just kind of weird, absurdist humor. Uh, and I think it, it captures Steve Martin kind of at the peak of his powers. Like, as soon as he broke out as the wild and crazy guy, he kind of put this all in this one movie, his debut. Nevin. Navin. 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 Navin, Navin, right. Navin. Navin R. Johnson. Navin R. Johnson. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Really. However, however you pronounce it, it it's great. Uh, uh, did, did, we, did we ever learn what the R stood for? Naven R. Johnson. Uh, what is I don't it? think so. No. Um, I, what would? What do you think it stands for? Maybe Robert. Robert. Classic name. I think maybe uh, Raleigh. Raleigh or Romeo. Roni. Romeo. Romeo. Yes. Naven Romeo Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an actor. That's a solid, solid sharecropper. Probably a Robert Johnson. <laughs> Robert Johnson. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh... maybe. A, maybe the star. It's like Ulysses X. Grant. Yes, the R doesn't stand for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Or Michael J. Fox. The J is just there. Mm-hmm. On a side note, do you know why that was added? I do. Would you like to know why? I would like to know why. Okay, <laughs> I'll tell you why. Yeah. It was added because there was, at the time, another actor already in the actor realm credited to the name Michael Fox. Mm-hmm. So they had to add the, the J in there to differentiate it in some way. I thought his right? middle that, initial was that's, already... That's absolutely I thought true. his middle initial was A, and he had to change it because he didn't want to be called Michael A. Fox. <laughs> not, I'm not joking. I... I think that's... He is a fox. I would have said mm. Michael A. Fox. Mm. Great Scott. 
I agree with that, and I'm straight. <laughs> yes, his name is Michael Andrew Fox. Yes. Wow. So. But but, why, but he did choose the J for the reason I suspected. He did. It was, it's a good stage name, yeah. you know, and yeah, I, I think did. it separated him because in in the actors union, like you said, there was another character yeah. actor yeah. named that Mr. other Michael Fox. Fox. Look what happened. So it was a good I don't move. Know. It was. I don't even know the other Mike Fox. Don't know. The other great story is Michael Keaton's real name is Michael Douglas. So no way. Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, yeah. I think wow. he's a good name. It's, yeah. yeah. It's him, you know? Wow. And David Bowie's real name is Davy Jones. I knew that, yes. yeah. So you see how wow. that And And, yeah. Rob, and uh, you know, Bob Dylan's real name was Robert, Robert Zimmerman, Zimmerman mm-hmm. which is just not as cool as Bob Dylan. No. So, uh, so Scott, what's your real name? Uh, my name is uh, David. David. <laughs> David, <laughs> David, Pum- David Pumpkins? Is it David, David has Pumpkins? <laughs> David has Pumpkins? Yeah. Any questions? Lawsuit's still pending. Our, uh, <laughs> right. our, our I can't lesson. use my name now. I, I changed it to Scott Wheeler. I can't change it to Scott uh, Wheeler. Thanks for Tom Hanks. Ruining it. Uh, yeah. Our real last name is Ashton, so Ashton. I had to change mine to Wheeler. You know, and he decided to change his just to be consistent. Ashton? Yeah, Sean Ashton. You know, like uh, oh, the actor yeah, yeah. Sean Ashton. It's true. And yeah. Scott Ashton, yeah. Not as famous anymore. I don't have to worry about it as much. Right, you're right. Yeah. It's a bigger problem about 15, 20 years ago. Right. But, uh, yeah, uh, The Jerk uh, is probably my favorite uh, Steve Martin film. And I'm a big Steve Martin fan. I think he's one of the funniest human beings who ever lived. I kind of would like to go around and talk to you guys not only about The Jerk, but Steve Martin, your first exposure to him, like how you first came across him, your, your thoughts on Yeah. I mean, I remember watching movies that featured Steve Martin from a very young age. If I had to think what the very first movie was that I saw Steve Martin in, it might be Father of the Bride. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the remakes in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember watching those, and I, and I always really liked Steve Martin. I, I, I used to think he was cute, you know, when I was little. I thought he was a good-looking guy. And, and I always, of course, because of his hair, I thought he was much older than what he actually really was. Mm. But I, I remembered seeing uh, Father of the Bride, and of course, just seeing him on SNL. Because mm-hmm. I always loved SNL growing up, and my dad and I would watch the old seasons. And um, I remember some of the skits and stuff that he was in. So that's probably my first exposure to him as a performer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my first, uh, man, that's hard because he was so ubiquitous in the 80s. I think Three Amigos is probably the first movie I saw him that I was aware of who he was. Um, I also remember seeing Parenthood in the theater mm. when he did the trick where he separated his thumb. <laughs> I just don't remember that. I remember going home and separating my thumb. <laughs> I was like, for some reason, I was obsessed with that trick. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's really cool. You can't do that, you know? But uh, it, <laughs> it's an audio medium, but I am separating my thumb. Like it's that. true. You're doing, yeah, you're doing a great job. Right I can't do it. <laughs> no, I can do it. It's the keys of two fingers, and it really close it up. No, you're, yeah. you're nailing it. Man. Yeah, you exactly. are. Oh, yeah. Trust us, he's nailing it. So. Pro tip your thumb looks the same on both hands. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works. Don't that's ruin the, the, <laughs> I'm ruining the trick. <laughs> well, no, it faces the in the opposite direction. <laughs> oh. That's some industry jargon right yeah. there. Oh, you can turn it. Yeah, uh, but, it. yeah. But there's lots of tricks. It's an illusion. But you know who's not an illusion? It's Steve Martin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although you did start out in magic. It's, it, yeah. It's yeah, he did. It's rare. Um, there's a, he wrote a great book called Born Standing Up, which is a great if you ever interested in comedy, he really breaks down how he got into comedy and how he did it. Um, but that was my first um, exposure to him. The jerk I came to much later. For some reason, it escaped my 
uh, periphery. I'm, sh I'm sure it was on TV, but it wasn't until later on as an adult that I was able to see it. Same with me. So, yeah. but I was definitely aware of them. SNL, uh, you know, King Tut stuff, you know, <laughs> especially early on. So. Wow, what a crazy guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Sean, I want to take uh, a little issue with what you just said about mm -hmm. uh, the fact that it, this is a relatively uh, new movie for me. Mm -hmm. This movie, actually, was my first introduction to Steve Martin. Oh, because cool. I, cool. I saw it in fourth grade in completely dubbed into Spanish right. for my fourth grade Spanish <laughs> oh my class. Gosh. So, while I saw the entire movie... I don't remember or understand <laughs> any of the movie until I right. saw it, you know, just very recently. Right. Um, in retrospect, thinking about it, uh, it's not exactly a movie that you want to show to fourth graders <laughs> in any language. Uh, I mean, I mean, I guess it could be worse, but there's some parts I'm like, wow, I don't remember that from fourth grade. Wow. <laughs> uh, in Espanol, uh, pero... Uh, uh, so, uh, the thing I mainly remember about Steve Martin is um, my uh, parents are big fans of early Saturday Night Live, so like the two wild and crazy guys and yeah. just mm -hmm. Saturday Night Live stuff, so that's all I know. Well, I am a poor journalist. That's why I uh, <laughs> wanted to podcast <laughs> for those kind of factual things, but, uh, uh, but no yeah. No stupid questions in journalism. That's right, there no are. stupid questions. Just stupid but, answers. <laughs> there are. <laughs> They're stupid journalists, probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think that's a fantastic way, in a way, to be introduced to the jerk because it's already an absurd way of watching it in the first place in that way. But like you, um, I grew up a little bit earlier than Scott where the Muppets were really prevalent when I was a kid. And Steve oh, Martin yeah. would, would post oh, it. That yeah. was my first that's real right. exposure. And he was still in a wild and crazy guy mode <laughs> in the early 80s, like around 80 to 83 or so. And I loved watching him on there. Uh, mm -hmm. And by the way, Steve Martin's one of the best actors in the world when interacting with the Muppets. You know, there's there's a certain level of Muppet acting. I can totally <laughs> see that. Yeah, I have to I have to chime in and say Gilda Radner was excellent with the Muppets too. Well, have you ever seen her stuff? It's really cute. I'll have to check out the Gilda Muppet uh, stuff. I, I wouldn't be surprised because she's cut from the same cloth. Yeah, and both I, of them are kind of Muppets. They're human yeah, Muppets. Yeah, yeah. They're very exactly. I almost say cartoon characters. Yeah, yeah. Come to life. What I loved about C. Martin with the Muppets, not only on the Muppet Show when he hosted, but also in the Muppet Movie, he plays this waiter. It's a fantastic, really funny scene. If you ever have a chance to take a look oh, at that I've clip, it. watch it. It's that Steve Martin doesn't condescend to the Muppets like, hi, I'm a human and you guys are the Muppets, which few people really do, but he, he is every bit as absurd as the Muppets, you know what I mean? Like, he's almost as much the comic relief interacting with them as they are. And that's, it takes a certain level of comedic genius yeah. to pull that off. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's not just the straight guy. Yeah. yeah. And I also knew, of course, Steve Martin from Saturday Night Live. Like, my parents loved the early years. And in fact, one of the best sequences was with Gilda, where they uh -huh. did the dancing sequence, where they would yeah. have... They would dance normally, and then all of a sudden they would go into this weird... And they like, you know, met each other in this bar, and it yeah. starts out, and they're like, giving each other the eye, and then they just come together in a dance, and then it gets real goofy, and then they get serious again, and then it's goofy. And the best part is it ends just like it begins. So like, she sits back down, and he like stands back over against the wall, and... It's, yeah. oh, it's kind of like a spoof of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, I think, is what it was. Yeah, it was kind of. It was one of those, uh, there was like a director for SNL at the time named Gary Weiss, and he would do like, and I love the way he would film. It looked real, yeah, very it was, realistic. it was. It was really cool. Uh, and I'm sure that was on his mind. Like, everybody's used to these elegant dance sequences like Astaire Rogers, mm -hmm. but let's do it with Steve Martin and Gilda Radner and see what happens, I'm There's sure. There was like one point where he was like dragging her. And she... <laughs> it was fantastic. 
I gotta check that out. Yeah, yeah, you should. I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, you would love it. I think. Sounds great. It's all silent, you know, except for the dancing, which I love. It's just that that physicality. I think too, like Steve Martin comes from that. Like I love so much of the comedy that came out of the 70s and Steve Martin's part of that. I think, you know, Richard Pryor, who's kind of a very different com- comic than Steve Martin, but I think that they were like the two best stand-ups who ever lived, at least in that, that time frame. But then he had Monty Python coming well, out. Well, maybe George Carlin. Yeah, George Carlin's in that same yeah. era too. Um, I love George More and more I love George Carlin as I get older too in that, mm. that regard. But, you know, Monty Python... And then Saturday Night Live breaks out. SCTV comes slightly later. Yes. It's just like that whole stratosphere kind of becomes the basis for the stuff I love in comedy. Like how I judge things that are funny. Mel Brooks, too, was and peaking. Benny Hill was at his peak, I'm sure, at the time. Yeah, <laughs> Benny Hill. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> that was, I forgot to leave him. I left him out of that equation. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, Mel Brooks was peaking during yeah. that time, yep. and, you know, and then Airplane and those guys came later. So that that seemed to be like a cornerstone for comedy for me of the modern era when it was modernized. You know, well, it's it, they started doing it. Seemed like parodies became really in. You know, and right. people were just making these goofy parodies, like you know Mel Brooks and the Airplanes, and mm-hmm. um, it sort of introduced us to this new style of humor in a way. In terms of nobody else was filming that. I mean, I'm sure. People in their local comedy clubs were doing parodies, but SNL. Same. It's one of those things yeah. where the type of comedy they introduced overall has become so mainstream that when you see it, if you're introduced to it now, you're kind of like yawn. Yeah. Like, yeah. how are they so trendsetting? But they were trendsetting to the and so wildly popular to the point that now when you see it, you're kind of like, I don't see what all the fuss is about. But before this, you, if you look kind of like the Borscht Belt comedians who did things before this. And, you know, it it was totally radically different, and it created a style of comedy that, frankly, you know, our generation and definitely Generation X adopted as mainstream, and mm-hmm. yeah. because of these people back in the seventies, they added a lot of satire and irony into comedy that yes. wasn't prevalent before. There was an edge to it, you know, and sometimes their comedy was a comment on comedy conventions too, mm-hmm. or just conventions in general. Like there was something arch about it. Like a lot of Steve Martin is ir- ironic. Because he looks like uh, this normal, handsome guy, even gray hair, but he does all these absurd things mm-hmm. that you're not expecting. So he mm-hmm. always kind of plays off of it. You know, Andy Kaufman came from that era too, and mm-hmm. it's most extreme of yeah. of that sort of style. Yeah, one of the things I always loved about Steve Martin in general is that he was this total juxtaposition of what he looked like and what he acted like. Mm-hmm. You know, he looked like this. Especially put him in a suit. He's a great looking guy in a suit. You know, he's that silver fox. And then you get him talking and, you know, pull out a banjo or whatever, and he's just, wow, he's a crazy Muppet. guy. Exactly. Yeah. He puts exactly. an arrow on his head, you yeah. know. Yeah. And the stuff he said, he too. He has a lot of freedom, you yeah. know, and range to do all kinds of different things. That's very true. Um, and I, I think this period of his career is my favorite. Like, I think the father, the bride stuff that came later, and I always felt yeah. that he was becoming more conventional during that time. And in retrospect, like, you know, Roxanne was another film he made that was kind mm-hmm. of more serious. It was more... It seems to happen with a lot of comedians where they they start off like you look at people like Jim Carrey or Woody Allen or a bunch of people they start off like full full bore comedy but then they start becoming kind of self conscious about being just a comedian and they want to do something more dramatic and some... well and also as I as I was saying as as you start as a radical but then as your style becomes more mainstream then you become more mainstream and conventional because true. everyone else catches up to you. Yeah. yeah, and you're almost like, where do I fit in now? Because everyone's like me. You know? And also, like, if you're doing the same shtick 
for like 20 years, yes. even if it's really good. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like, you're going to get bored of it, or others will get bored of it. Like, where do you go? It, yeah. people, people don't know that Robert Duvall was the zaniest comedian that there ever was. <laughs> no. It's a little known fact. <laughs> the world just caught up with him. <laughs> by the yeah, Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know what he was doing in the Godfather. It was comedy, because it it's became like, so conventional. I want conventional. people to stop thinking of me as just crazy, out-of-bounds psycho comedian. <laughs> I'm gonna settle down with a movie like The Godfather. Less is more, Duvall. Less is more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was always, they had a harp on them the whole time. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Coppola, this, you know. <laughs> they had a, every all those all those multiple multiple takes. On you know those Duvall's famous pictures where he's holding up the lines for uh, uh, Branda to read. Yeah. Branda's actually holding up the lines as less is more. <laughs> as a reminder for Duvall. Right? <laughs> so there was, right. actually everybody was a billboard on that set. This, right. this train Even was, Pacino wanted him to pipe down. A bit, you know, pipe which, it down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think you're right. Like you do need to change. I think if, if you're an, an artist of any kind, I think if you keep churning out the same stuff over and over again, not only is the audience going to get bored, but you personally are going to get bored by what you're doing. So well, I, you also have to, you know, keep in mind the times. I mean, Steve Martin started in the 70s. Father of the Bride, for example, I think came out in maybe 1990 or very early 90s. So big difference in social, you know, things that were happening. Family, you know, in the 90s, I mean, it spawned how many, like, family films, if you will, like The Home hmm. Alones and The Father of the Brides. And um, so, you know, he was just, I don't want to say cashing in on that, but that's what people wanted. Mm-hmm. That's what filmmakers were doing. That's what audiences wanted to see. And it's not like he was just doing, like, safe family comedies. He yeah. did yeah. movies like Bowfinger. Yeah. You know, yes, he, he, it wasn't know. like he just settled down and became, like, you know, basically a, a humdrum, you know, boring comedian. And even Father of the Bride, I know maybe it's not, you know, one of your favorites, and I'm not claiming that it's my favorite film either, but it has an all-star cast. I mean, Martin Short, so the two of them playing off together. Yeah. Diane Keaton was the wife. Um, and I love everybody you mentioned. Yeah, you I know, mean, all so. these really great comedic actors coming together. So, yeah, it was a family-type, you know, feel-good movie. Um, but I think if you revisited it, you may have a different appreciation for it. And I say that because when I was coming back from Paris about a year ago, I watched it on the plane, <laughs> yeah. and I really enjoyed it again as an adult, you know, from watching it as a kid to watching it with an adult eye. It was um, really refreshing, and I liked it. I think we have a future episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. Now we're going to watch right. both the original Father of the Bride. Yeah. The original Spencer Tracy and, and then, But uh, I think uh, Father of the Bride was written by Nora Ephron, if I'm not mistaken, which it makes was. sense. That's why the That's house very is so her. Yeah, that she is. always has great sex. She does a lot. She's done a couple movies with her, I think. He has, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, she was like the voice of like mainstream mm-hmm. romantic comedies from like the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Like every, like Sleepless in Seattle, When Harry Met Sally, all that stuff mm-hmm. was her. So I, I got to tell you, uh, Sean, um, uh, I'm not the biggest Steve Martin fan. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Silence. Sadness. Right. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be an intervention. No, or, no. Um, uh, I. So I respect him, and I, I don't think he's bad. And there's a lot of things of him that I enjoy. Uh, he's just simply not to my taste, and I, I've thought about why this is, um, and. I uh, I think part of it is 
that he, uh, I don't know, um, I, I read the uh, Roger Ebert review of The Jerk, mm-hmm. and I, th- I agree with what Ebert said, and he said, um, he's like, basically, it comes down to whether you're laughing or not. He's like, I appreciate this is fine, but he's like, there were people in the movie theater who were laughing uproariously, and I wasn't. And, he, and the reason he said that is because he likes, uh, there's more, he said there are two kinds of comedy. There's, uh, I'm wearing a funny hat, and then, and that's just like uh, straightforward comedy. Then there, he called it logic comedy, which is, there's a reason why I'm wearing the crazy hat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he like the producers as an example, the Mel Brooks movie, where mm-hmm. it was like, so they did all these crazy things, but there was some, you could see like the twisted logic that led them mm-hmm. to have a, you know, a movie starring Hitler. Uh, and he's like, and, uh, and he and uh, Ebert and both I kind of follow more like in the logic thing. And with the jerk, um, to an extent, it's just, it's not based in character as much. It's not based in the logic. It's, at one point, he's literally wearing a, like a funny hat, like those aviator yeah. right, <laughs> things right. when he's leaving home. And while I appreciate that it's funny, uh, I, my personal taste is more like, I like when it's kind of more based in things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not a judgment on, it's not like, oh, I can't believe you like Steve Martin. No. What the hell? Which would be kind of weird. But uh, so that, that's sort of my take. Uh, it, it's a g- difference between a gag and kind of more of a, a full-fledged comedy. Yeah. So. No, I mean, that's fair. And I've actually read that review. I remember uh, I had the same, like... As a kid, I remember reading Roger Ebert's take on Steve Martin and the early stuff because I grew up loving the guy and I found him hilarious. And I'd always like, oh, wow, I can't believe because Roger Ebert loves the producers, which I also loved in all these other movies. It's like yeah. there's a with the earlier films, he didn't really become a Steve Martin fan until later with that period we were just until talking Father about. Until Father of the Bride. Until Roxanne mm-hmm. and Father, <laughs> Father of the Bride. And uh, I always found that, well, that's interesting. We're at a divide there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I, I related to his reaction to the jerk being in the audience where people were laughing uproariously. I had a similar reaction to somebody else, like when I went to see The Water Boy with Adam Sandler. Like, I went to see that movie, and I, I'm not an Adam Sandler fan, probably in the same. I respect that people like him and they mm-hmm. find him hilarious, but I've never found Adam Sandler that funny. Mm-hmm. Why'd you go see that movie then? Well, I was dragged to it by my family. <laughs> and because they, they were all bragging about how much they loved The Water Boy. It was, the big, it was this big comedy event. The Water Boy is a big hit. In the it was. It, it was in the ah. Benedicts. My, my cousins took us to see it, and they loved it. They thought it was hilarious. So I go in there, and I had—I must have had my arms folded the whole time. But I was the only person in the theater who wasn't laughing hysterically. I'm like, because I kept judging it this way, like, oh, I've seen that before. I, that's cliched yeah, comedy. So that's that, your attitude. Well, the, what you got out of that experience, I think, was a clear indication of your attitude going into it. Yeah. You didn't want to be there. You didn't think it was going to be funny. So right. you didn't allow yourself to. Like, if you revisited it tomorrow, I'm not saying you're a big Adam Sandler fan and that right. you're going to be laughing and that you're going to really enjoy it. But you probably will laugh a little bit from it. Kind of like your dad last week with Twin Peaks. He always teased me about it, but then he sat right. down and watched it and was laughing at it and enjoyed it. Mm. You know, I think it's it's all about, you know, your mind. Um, mind over matter, as they say. Your attitude determines, you know, but, uh, a lot of what you're doing. Right. I did have issues even before then. I never liked him on SNL. I thought Opera Man. I just like yeah. just a bunch of silly voices well, exactly. with no... It, it yeah. would be like me watching a movie with an actor that I don't really like. Which I can't think of somebody right now off the top of my head. <laughs> but Richard Dreyfus. Yes, yeah. it would be like me. <laughs> right. So, like, seriously, whenever right. we watch three, uh, what is it? Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I just, hey, I get it. I respect it. But 
I did nothing for me, and I don't get Richard Dreyfus. So I'm never yeah. really going to allow myself to really maybe enjoy it like you would, um, just because there are things I don't like. You know what I mean? And that's right. a really good point. And I actually thought about that while watching him. Like, let's say they made this movie now with a different actor and a like different Will actress. Ferrell. Yeah, someone who like. And so I part of it is. Like, I went into him, like, I think Steve Martin's overrated, so anything mm-hmm. I see about him, I'm going to go into it with that mindset. Yeah. And part of it is that. Mm-hmm. And and, yeah. I, and I recognize that. Yeah. Um, uh, there were parts... Uh, the Jerk is not a bad movie at all. Um, and there are parts of it that I really, really uh, liked, especially in the, in the last 30 minutes. Oh, my God, like, uh, the cat juggling. Yeah. I love... I just love the guy, the guy, like, kind of... <laughs> and he's so, yeah. so into it. Uh, like, and... Uh, so there were really good parts of it um, that I enjoyed. Uh, it wasn't my favorite movie, but it was time well spent, and it was. I thought it was a solid, you know, two and a half, three star movie, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I'm, and you know, I'm really glad that you brought up the point too, because sometimes I feel um, obviously like the minority with the Wheeler brothers, especially Scott, because I know how much you love Steve Martin. But I'm very similar to you. I like the guy. Um, I, I'm attracted to him. I think he's really funny. So, I am. Do you yeah. think he's cute, Tony? No, don't hold back. Tell us how you really feel if he's attractive. I think he's attractive. But but I'm with you, Jeremy. I think there are certain, for me anyway, for Scott and for Sean, the jerk is a, is a perfect vehicle for Steve Martin's comedy. And for I agree with that. And it totally absolutely is. It absolutely is. But I'm like you, where I like the logical. I call. I also kind of call it sophisticated comedy. Not that what we're seeing in the jerk like is not sophisticated. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um. But I definitely I think lean more on on your side of the scale with that. But I, I I think Steve Martin's phenomenal. I respect him. I appreciate his talent. I think he's incredibly talented. Um, he makes me laugh in other ways and other. Um, Areas, you know, when he did, <laughs> I bet he does. When he did Is this that, laughter. Okay. Well, remember the SNL forty a couple years ago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, when we watched that, you know, he did the little monologue, and he was just being Steve Martin, talking, uh, even though he was obviously a heightened version of Steve Martin. He made me laugh so hard just watching him with that, versus this more physical. I'm wearing a goofy hat and I'm going to dance around type of thing. I find more, um, and, and I think in Father of the Bride, going back to that, where he played more of like, more of like Steve Martin. He basically seemed like he was the real Steve Martin with his daughter. I liked that more. I agree. I related to that more. When he wasn't than, mugging yes, as much, he wasn't yes, trying as hard. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, but you too, I totally understand. You grew up with this movie. Um, you guys were raised on that style of, of Steve Martin, so it, it's your first you're always going to love that more than anything else. Um, and that's ter- fine. You know, exactly. I'm just saying, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I definitely feel more of what you feel about it. That is interesting. I, uh, you know, because I actually... No, comedy is completely subjective. I'll be the first to admit that. Like, what once one person finds funny is not necessarily going to be consistent with what someone else finds funny. Um, you know, like I said about Adam Sandler, like, he was extremely popular in the 90s. But I think Adam Sandler is the same way in mm-hmm. the sense that you're either going to be on board with yeah. what he's doing or not. Because I, I will draw a line between Adam Sandler and Steve Martin. I think they're on different spectrums. I do too. I do too. Intellectual part uh, of the comedy. Yeah. free to the converted. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. Uh, here's why I love uh, Steve Martin because the act of him mugging 
is in of itself a parody of comedians doing that. So it's it, it's like an extra layer of parody on top of a parody because he he does it because that's what a lot of Borschwitz, you know, the, the comedians before them would yeah. mug a lot, you know, like laugh and like you know, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was kind of he was doing it. Was like, yeah, he was doing it. Take it was almost please. a parody of that when he did a stand up. So um, that's why I love about it. It's not so much. Um, You're seeing the, the layers. The layers. It's yeah. not like Adam Sandler where he talks in a funny voice and, and yells. Adam Sandler, yeah. just like it's just not. It's 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 one level. Yeah, it's Adam one Sandler level. is yeah. like middle school, high school level. Like I feel like for me anyway, it was. Well, there's, there's, I grew out of it. There, there's a. <laughs> he has a phase. <laughs> he has a he's phase. like he's like childhood asthma. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'm not saying that. It's absolutely yeah. on, on town. I mean, he has exactly. some movies where he's dead. I, I think he's funny, too, I, in some movies. Yeah. I, I mean, I remember people listening to that one. His his audio album, I remember, where the medium pace song and the a lot of stuff. The Thanksgiving song is yeah. huge. And, I mean, kids, I mean, his, and he would admit it. I mean, his 13-year-old boy sitting in the back of their car laughing and their headphones where their parents mm-hmm. can't hear. That's that's his market Middle for school. movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he would admit it. That's his humor. And that's where his movies appeal to. So um, it wasn't going to be appealing to a 20-year-old film student from Kent State University. No, probably not. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> in all fairness to Sean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How many, yeah. Not many careers are based on turning into that single. <laughs> just, just hammering on that. Yeah. That's a style there, people. That's the new wave. That's not right even there. the first billion dollars. You're not going to walk out of a French New Wave film and see a water boy. Well, an example of this, like, on that is, like, I love something about Mary, which came out at the same time. Oh, I thought yeah. that was hilarious, but I did not get into the water boy. And people would say, well, they're the same type of movie, superficially, anyway. It's like, no, I think the Fairleys had more talent with that. Than he did. And something and about Mary's more logical, and, and the Water Boys right. way more physical. Yeah. yeah, correct. I also think this is a difference with that. It's uh, something about Mary. The Fairly Brothers characters are not aware that they're <laughs> funny at all. Mm-hmm. They think they're perfectly normal individuals, yeah. even though they aren't. Where Adam Sandler, there's always like, I'm being funny for the sake of being funny. You could probably make that accusation a little bit with Steve Martin here, but I guess I enjoy it because it's on a higher level as a comedic. I think it's more of a comedy film maybe than even a film film. Like, well, I, I mean, think it's yeah, and I think there's a, there's this there's a, he's excited about being the fun. I mean, there's a logic to it. I mean, he's it's an absurd movie. I mean, it's yeah. none of this is realistic, but. Um, you know, he's adopted by a black family. He grows Spoiler up. alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Boom. You don't see the adoption. That, that part you don't see. But the... And, uh, taking him out. <laughs> well, they say, like, you know, you, you're you not one of us. He said, so you mean I'm not going to... I'm going to stay this color? And he's just, like, shocked. And then he can't dance in rhythm with the other... You know, he's completely an outcast in his family. And then he finally hears a song on the radio and he can actually dance to it. Yeah. It sounds like the whitest song in the world, you know. I got the idea that this would be an excellent movie script for a silent movie uh, that in terms of the physicality and the plot and the script, that if you made this in, say, 1925 as a silent movie, I mean, even the love interest, she looked like something, like a silent movie star. uh, Bernadette Peters. Mm -hmm. You know, that's... She's so talented. Mm-hmm. She's Barbara, very good. Yeah. I think this is... You saying that, I am sure a lot of this was was Buster Keaton... Inspired. And Charlie Chaplin 
inspired I oh, yeah. at some level. Yeah, it is. Um, the whole gas station scene. Yeah. Oh. Gas station scene. It could literally yeah. be a Buster yeah. Keaton thing. Yeah. But it's a free bus with these cans. Although, now that I think about it, even work with the, the dialogue would still work within yeah. the yeah, yeah. context. Yeah. Right. He these cans. You right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's 100% movie, sold on it. It's yeah, the kind of movie say. you could dub into Spanish and show to a fourth grade class. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it, it is, I don't know what the term is. It's, it's, it's not a... It's, it's not a subtle comedy. I mean, it's... No. I think I was reading that they wanted a laugh on every page of the yeah. script. So they were mm. intending to make a really, really funny movie. Um, um, which you, you kind of don't see movies like this anymore that are so intentionally to be funny. Yeah. Or at least uh, ones that... Like Airplane. You don't see movies like Airplane, The Jerk. But uh, Airplane, I think, is a slightly different level than, than The Jerk. I think it, it would lean more, going back to Jeremy, on that logical side. It's kind of in between, honestly. I think Airplane's in between. Because it has both. It is very physical, but there are also these quick lines that you hear that make you think. Um, you know, it's kind of... I don't think it's as... Um, how do I want to say? Jazz hands in your face is like the jerk <laughs> is. Because, hmm. you know, I don't know, Airplane just... Um, well, Flows Air- a little bit differently. Airplane's more of a parody, yeah, of a specific thing. But it's well, still very physical, though. But at the same time, there's yeah. a lot of dialogue. Airplane, though, is just—it's just a collection of jokes. It's like you don't like this joke. Wait ten seconds. Yeah, you get another exactly. joke. And the jerk is kind of yeah. like that too. The joke I mean, is, uh, it, joke it, is it's definitely coming kind of at you yeah. really, really yeah. quick. Yeah. I think a bigger difference, though, is the driving force of the jerk is its star. The actor Steve Martin, who also yeah. wrote the script, it's a vehicle for him and his sense of mm-hmm. sense of humor. Yeah. Agreed. Airplane is a director's film. It's a film that the the Zucker brothers and Abrams put together. It's an ensemble. Yeah, yeah it's it's an ensemble. And, and, and the actors <laughs> the actors aren't physical comedians. Most of them were dramatic actors, which added to the humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you had like Leslie Nielsen was not known oh, as comedic so actor until mm-hmm. Airplane, and same with Lloyd Bridges and all those other guys. So you're saying that the actors in the airplane are in service to the script, but the script and the joke is in service to Steve Martin. Uh, you got it. Yep. You yeah. got it. I would agree with that. And yeah. the thing about Steve Martin, too, and again, I can profess my affection for him if you yeah. want me to, again. Um, <laughs> I just wish, you, yeah. you, know, I I just wish you, know, you would give us a straight answer on this, Tony. You know I like Steve Martin, but I will say this, and I think you, the rest of you can agree with me, is that he's sort of a love-or-hate kind of guy. You either really like Steve Martin... Um, as he is in whatever he's in, mm. or take him or leave him. You know I, what I mean? I wouldn't I think say I hate him. I, I, not hate, but he's like a leader. Yeah, like, you take either, him or leave him. You don't, there's not a lot of people who are like, man, I like these Steve Martin films, but not these Exactly. Steve Martin. Could you make that case for any comedian, though, that they're all lover to hate it? Like Chevy Chase is fair. extremely funny to exactly. some people, but it, some people hate there Chevy Chase. There are definitely Chase. some good I, Chevy yeah. Chase movies. I think this movie is... This is as full on Steve Martin a movie as Three. he's ever made. This is yeah. Un- I think from this movie on, he's kind of he's well, the man with two brains almost hits. It's similar. almost him, but that yeah. even is a little bit down because he kind of. I like the uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Flag. I and that's, that's, that's also in that same era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's film noir parody. Yeah, and he he kind of services the script more in that one where he doesn't do Steve. This is undiluted but, Steve but, Martin. Though. But Dead yeah. Men Don't Wear Flag, I think, is more along the lines of like an airplane. Because, like you just said, the, the script parody. is not servicing Steve Martin. Steve Martin in, the, in that movie is servicing this film noir parody. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's more of an ensemble. You have the, you know, the, his girl Friday type character. 
costumes by the one and only. The other, the other thing, and then it goes back to personal taste, is um, I'm personally not as much of a fan of um, kind of the uh, like very uh, what's it called when you're really in like a, a awkward situation, kind of like uh, the British Office, mm-hmm. where it's very awkward and sort of. Ugh. And uh, I feel the difference between, like, uh, Airplane, there's not a lot of scenes like that. But in Mm -hmm. The Jerk, there are a few. Uh, And personally, that's just not as much to my taste. And I certainly is for others. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and and the other thing, too, is I feel for Steve Martin as a character, the character is, um, changes. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, for example, like, the Steve Martin character that I, the jerk, uh, you know, Miss, uh, What's his name? Uh, Nevin. Nevin. Nevin R. Johnson. Nevin R. Johnson. Uh, that Nevin Robert Raleigh Roscoe Johnson, who uh, the the first hour it was kind of this like very simple person who mm-hmm. uh, had very simple wants, but then when he becomes rich, all of a sudden he brings in all these uh, paintings of like naked women, and it's a sexuality that wasn't really established based on what the first hour I knew about him was. Mm-hmm. So it kind of threw me for a loop, and then it was like, okay, well. Who is this character? And I mean, that's, it's not like just that. Like he, he changed and you could say money changed him, revealed it. But at the same time, I, I felt maybe like I, oh, maybe I don't know this character and it kind of threw me off a little bit. I think in a way, I think that's why I respond to this movie in a way, because it, it, I think my humor maybe goes in that direction. It's, it's an absurdist movie. Oh, what I yeah, mean by yeah. that. It, it's, yeah. it's, uh, Navin R. Johnson is a blank slate in which Steve Martin can do different things that Steve Martin does well. He's he a vehicle. To, yeah, it's a vehicle for whatever Absolutely. he finds funny in the, in the moment. If he's going to be the simple guy that came yeah. from an African-American family, the joke, of course, is he's the whitest guy in the world and he's right. been raised and by Right, and if you're saying, like, well, how does that fit into his character? You're kind of missing the whole point. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just the, it, the joke is, is, is that in and of itself. And then when he works at the gas station, it's hilarious because he's so excited about being in the phone book, which I find hilarious. And then mm-hmm. M. Emmett Walsh, this great because character actor. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to be somebody now. And then M. Emmett Walsh, who's a great character actor, that juxtaposition where he goes, run random, run of the mill asshole. You know, <laughs> just the whole, the whole concept is funny to me that a guy is that enraged about some random guy in a phone book just for that sake. I mean, <laughs> you know. Do you, you want to hear a quick, funny story sure. on that level? So the other day I was driving up to Easton for an appointment uh, over at the Panera Bread at 9 a.m. So it's about 8.40 at this point. And I'm getting off the Easton exit um, from 270 coming from Dublin. And, it, well, with, they're doing some construction and stuff over there. So they cut the on-ramp, the right exit lane, to, to one. So everybody kind of had to merge over. So it was kind of like a line and stuff backed up. Well, I rarely ever get off that exit, so I was not aware. So I kind of, unfortunately, was at... At the end, and then reali- or drove as far as I could, and then realized, oh wow, like Roll I out. have to get over, mm-hmm. you know. So I've had my signal on, and there was enough room, and so I quickly got over because I didn't want to hold people up on 270. Mm. And this guy that was behind me was so enraged with the fact that I'd merged over. Maybe I, he may have thought I was doing it intentionally because some people do wait till the end for things like that. I don't know. Whatever the case was, is he laid on his horn and gave me the bird, like. So it was like sticking up the bird at me. I could see him in my rearview mirror and going like this. Oh and kept doing it from the time I got off the exit to the time I turned on Easton Loop. Oh my God. He literally kept doing that. And For I, miles. I, 
yeah. for like two stoplights. And I'm just like... Oh my like, God. I'm wow. like, are you kidding me? So then he, at the second stoplight, he actually merged over, got to the left of me, and was driving slow, he wanted going to see like her. this. And I, and I actually looked over at him, and I just kind of laughed. And I was like, I mouthed, get over it. Yeah. <laughs> and then then he got back behind me and kept doing... He, he laid off the horn at this point, but then he kept like flicking me off and doing that. Oh and my I was God. like, this guy has some serious deep-rooted issues that go far beyond me merging over. But he <laughs> wow. That's kind of scary. Wow, that is scary. I, I, I He was so enraged. This guy was. Anyway, it made me think about that because this guy <laughs> yeah. would be that character. He was oh yeah, so random run-of-the-mill asshole. Yeah. There's so sad. I forget which comedian, if it's Louis C.K. or someone who is like, you know, people act in cars totally different than you wouldn't. So, like, let's say you were walking down the sidewalk and you just went in front of someone. Can you imagine if you were walking and you're like, fuck you, buddy? <laughs> yes. You know, like, well, you know, like, you, you prevented me from getting on this elevator in a timely fashion, you know? And like, you're like yelling at him, you know? But if you're in a car, all bets are off. Yeah. And somehow there's a disconnect that. People just lose it. They do. And he, I mean, it was a brisk morning, Thursday morning, if you remember. So I had my windows up. I'm pretty sure he had his windows up, but I wasn't really listening to him. I could see him doing that. Wow. But then that's why I now get over it. Yeah. Right. That was when he was like on the side of me, like basically stalking me because he was going really slow to like keep up with me. You know how people do that. Oh. And I was like, you have like serious problems. No dude. kidding. Driving brings out the worst in people, period. Yeah. It just, it's like, it's all your wow. worst instincts come out and behind the wheel. Wow. Patience goes out the window, everything. I I mean, it wasn't like I cut him off that he almost hit me. There was plenty of room. It's like, it's like he ran over his dog or something. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it just instantly reminded me. I had forgotten about it until that moment. Uh, yeah, and I think that that, that, that character is funny to me. I, and I, it's hard to explain maybe or even articulate what's funny about this to me. I, it's almost like it's... The movie or the character? The, the, the movie, actually, because mm-hmm. the character fits into that fabric, too. Like... They're comedy bits, really. You know, like another example would be when he's waiting to be picked up. He's hi- you know hitchhiking to move away from his home, right. and that pickup truck comes over, uh, yeah. played by Rob Reiner, and he goes, "Hey, you're heading out there." He goes, "I'm going about two feet away." And I'm he goes, going okay. to the end of the fence. <laughs> at the end of the <laughs> fence, and then they stop at the end of the fence, and he waits, and that's hilarious to me because it's just, I guess it's just. I did like that they're like, you know, there's that empty chair and like, oh, we're going to miss him. And he's still outside. He's still out there, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't explain what's, how, I guess it's the absurdity of it. Like, it's all absurd. And maybe that's what it is. It's continuously absurd. And he commits to that style from start to finish. I have something. Uh, Do you want to know why? Because it's logical. Yeah. Yeah. It's absurd logic. Like, you can see, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to the end of the fence, but there's like a logic behind it. And and Navin loves anything you give him. Crazy logic. Yeah, like when with Jackie Mason at the gas station when he when he when he's showing him his new room, he's showing him the bathroom first, and he just falls in love with the bathroom. Like, oh, I love to do this. I love to do this. I love the guy in there. He's just like (laughs) (laughs) just watching them. He goes, Navin, 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 it's in here, and he goes, oh wow, this is even better. I don't even have to fix this up. It's perfect as it is. Well, I love that when he's repeating all the the advice that his family gave him. He's like, Lord loves a working man. Don't trust Whitey. See a doctor and get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) See see a doctor and get rid of it. And he's just repeating it to himself, you know, like he would. Then the, this is shit. Shinola. Shit. (laughs) 
Shinola, got it. <laughs> you know, showing him the Shinola. You know. I, just stuff like that, I, I guess, is just, just right up my alley. And I think yeah. for you, Scott, it's probably similar to... Well, he's shooting the cans, and he's like, he hates these cans! <laughs> Jackie Mason's like, yeah, he hates, he hates you, so he's got a demented brain. Yeah, we yeah. gotta get away from these cans. Maybe that's why I should sit Thursday morning, he hates this PG Cruiser! <laughs> All right. Yeah. Right. Oh, why are you driving that PG Cruiser? <laughs> it's funny you mentioned, Jeremy, uh, about the naked pictures and... and, and for me, I always interpreted it as that was his image of what a rich person would be. Mm-hmm. Like he would see in a movie, rich people have naked pictures of people in their house, and he would. Just, I don't think it's like a. I don't think he turned into like a sexualized being. Cause I don't think oh, he ever. Oh, he has this warped idea. Yeah. He's, just like, he's just imitating what he thinks is because the sure. whole. It's just a ridiculous, like. That makes sense. The, okay. This whole, like, this whole, this whole mansion is like a ridiculous, like it's not stuff. He has no idea. He, he has, has no interest. Yeah. Like it's not his. Because there's even that scene where he's playing right. with that stupid toy. He's like, mm-hmm. I want these toys and this is my, you know, yeah. you see when I he's don't like grabbing it. Yeah, and he doesn't. To have it. Yeah, exactly. That makes so. sense. All right. Well, I love when yeah. they, they, they even try to mimic uh, with Bernadette Peters, who I think is terrific in the movie too, as, his, too. as his love interest. Uh when they're at that rent, that French restaurant, and he goes, "What did you put snails on my yeah. uh, plate? Who does what he think of, we are?" What kind of this? And he gave us an outdated wine. He should have given us like the, the, I like the, the fresh wine. wine. I like the uh, the cooler of white and red wines. Yeah, that was pretty. Funny. I love that too. That funny. <laughs> he goes, I said that's that wine you talked us out of. You know, I want the appetizer you talked us out of. <laughs> and then when he has the. Um, he always wants the umbrellas in his drinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what he thinks is fancy. Yeah, is umbrellas. The umbrellas. So there were really good parts of the movie, and that's why, mm-hmm. you know, um, so, yeah, it was not a bad movie at all, and there were parts that were really it, funny. It is, but it is, uh, I think the point that uh, if if you have, if the Steve Martin, like, stand, because this is a lot based on Steve Martin's stand yeah. Yeah. So if you watch Steve on stand, they're like, oh, okay, you know, it's, it's good. Um, and you show them this movie, it wouldn't be like, oh, you're going to be a full-fledged Steve Martin fan from this day forward, because this would just emphasize the aspects of Steve Martin that maybe you would be lukewarm to. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I think, and I think this is what's great about Steve Martin, is he's been able to evolve over his career and do so much different stuff that people could be... A fan of him mm. for something that's completely different than you know what Sean and I are you know like, that's true like yeah, yeah. you know the, that's what I was saying earlier if he has this freedom the wealth of talent range. that he has mm. to yeah. be able to do um, you know have people have different opinions across this whole scope of his career there's people that are friend, fans of his from um, you know like uh, planes trains and automobiles onward mm-hmm. Um, Which he was very good in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was very well cast in playing Strange and all that. Yeah, he played a straight man, you know. Yeah. And as a Steve Martin fan, I'm kind of like, he's not doing Steve Martin stuff. So it's almost yeah. a letdown and for I me. Like, yeah. I like but that. Like more. for you guys, it's like, yeah. oh, this is great. This is what we want. So that's the. Yeah. But then when he then he, when he did explode, like it was, it's almost yes. like uh, the if you're you know doing an improv scene and there's a one person in the back who's not talking, and you're waiting like, what are they gonna do? And I felt in playing Strange and automobiles, it's like. Okay, he's not being Steve Martin. And then when he gets mad, mm-hmm. you know, like at the ticket mm-hmm. counter, with, like mm-hmm. then the Steve Martin comes out and you're like, okay, this is what we were waiting for. Yeah, you know? right. It's coming out. You know? I'd, yeah. I'd, also say, I'd also say stylistically it's very different because John Hughes is 
oh, he's a yeah. very mainstream. Uh, and I don't mean that as a negative. I think he's he makes well crafted mainstream. It's just very comedies. different than like the jerk. Their character oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The oh, jerk yeah. is like hardcore comedic, you know, conceits. And I, and I know that there's a core of fans that they were split. Like some people thought he sold out after like the like the lonely guy, the man with two brains, mm. where they thought with all of me, which which was the first movie where there was a transition taking place, which a lot of people mm. love. It's the one movie I think that appeals to both. Which one? Factions of Steve Martin fans, all of me, with Lily Tomlin. Where he plays this guy, and Willie Tomlin plays a ghost that possesses his body. So he's playing a straight role, kind of like planes, trains, and automobiles. But because Willie Tomlin's, you know, and you know, inside, oh, so it's like the nutty professor. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, he's like, what are we doing? You know, straight guy, and then like the mask or something. Yeah, yeah, so he's doing a lot of physical comedy, but it's against his own will, kind of like the mask of Jim Carrey in the same yeah. way. I think, I, is, I, yeah. I think there's a lot of similarity. Like we were talking about Adam Sandler. I think maybe mm-hmm. Jim Carrey is probably a better. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not equating the two, but I'd say oh, right. they're closer. Jim they Carrey are. is, yeah. I, I think, if you watch Ace Ventura, it's probably oh, so like a 90s version of The Jerk, where it's, it's a yeah. farcical character, yeah. and it's over the top, and it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a vehicle for the, the main character Absolutely. to just go full yeah. board, and say, this is everything I'm about, and you're going to see it all. Mm-hmm. I, I would say one difference, and I think, movie. for me, what elevates The Jerk over Ace Ventura is... Every character in The Jerk is absurd in a way. Like, even they are funny. Like, Bernadette Peters, there's a lot of absurdity to her character. Jackie Mason, mm-hmm. there's a lot of absurdity to her character. And Ace Ventura, everybody's a straight character but Jim Carrey. He's the one character. He's the outlier. That he's the outlier. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is like, this guy's weird. This guy's strange. But in The Jerk, nobody, people don't really call even our Johnson now for being strange because they're all kind of They're all strange off. They're all kind of strange in their own way. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a, a parody of that. Which yeah. is not to take away from Jim Carrey's Which performance. Which is harder to yeah. do because it's not just, you know, straight people and then the one crazy person. Yeah. When you make them all crazy, you have to still... It's harder then because then that you have to make sure it's not just a crazy world. Yeah. yeah. The jerk even stands out as a crazy person in a sea of crazy people. Yes. By almost being, he's so yeah. crazy, he's almost the straight guy. Yeah. He's yeah. Naive, he's the one, the <laughs> like person, you know, who reacts in funny ways. He's almost, he almost comes full circle. You can almost interpret he's making a comment on the world he's observing by his behavior. Dum, dum, dum. Was this the first movie with like a man child in it? Like, uh,. Um, Jerry Lewis, I'm sure. Jerry Lewis, Jerry Lewis bunch. for sure. Uh, you uh, know. Buster Keaton was very much a man yeah. child. If you look, I mean, Charlie Chaplin was a man. Like that's yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. part of the reason I say it's a silent film because yeah. if you look at the silent film comedy stars, they were all naive people who got in situations inadvertently and like somehow got out of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the appeal to me for Steve Martin is he captures a lot of this old school Hollywood mm-hmm. aspect to him, but he's got this comedic absurdity that's very much part of the 70s and part of the you know but he's always kept that Steve Martin's always kept that outer shell like you were talking about like he just looks good that's 19 he could walk into a 1950s movie the way he looked and it's sure would not be out of place he's got leading man yeah yeah exactly but but he does this you know SNL and Monty Python stuff that's just um he's very transformative yeah and and um I'm going to compare him to Madonna in the sense of he's able to kind of reinvent himself for whatever generation he's in. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really special when someone has the talent and the ability to recognize that about themselves and then to leverage that. Um, that's the only way I'm really comparing mm-hmm. him to Madonna is just to obviously, uh. just in that sense, that, that brilliance really, to be able to know your wide range 
Your give yourself the freedom exactly and and then you know cater to different types of people at different t- times mm-hmm. and do it all really you, you're doing it all like Steve Martin's done it all he's done the straight man he's done comedy he's done leading man yeah. romance I would actually say in a, in a weird way like I feel like I kind of side with the fans with the earlier stuff because I think that's more distinctive and that appeals more to my sensibilities. Where I felt it's not the work he did afterwards was terrible. It was just normal, mediocre. It seemed like anything conventional. And I feel like in, in the case of Jim Carrey, I'm actually going to say I think Jim Carrey's dramatic work was a lot better than, than Steve Martin's because The Truman Show mm-hmm. and Man on the Moon and Part Eternal Sunshine are... Yeah, it was. Jim Carrey, I think, had better work. Bill Murray, I think, has done better dramatic work in a way because of mm-hmm. Lost in Translation mm-hmm. and Broken Scrooge Flowers. Well, yeah. 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 Bowfinger was like a return. Kind kind of, of, to like a... That was the last movie I remember that he did. That yeah. was like he was not playing... Um, because he did get into the the Nora Ephron. He was doing a lot of those movies where he's just playing straight man and like the husband, like, yeah, the out of towner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Playing like, and, and yeah. to me, I guess anybody could play that part. Like Billy Crystal could easily be substituted that's, in those yeah. movies. That's a great for point. Steve he started playing roles that other actors could have played. Yeah, like you can't really imagine any other actor in the jerk. No, it's truly him. It was written for him, and then for some of these other movies, like say Father of the Blue, we're picking on that, but yeah. like. You could, it's like, oh, Steve Martin's not available? You know, get me Chevy Chase or get me yeah. some other. I, I think it's good that he could do all that. Mm-hmm. I, I actually think it's great that the jerk can have this wide range of opinions because I think the true mark of someone that's really trying and trying to do something different, you're going to have a wide range of opinions because sure. it's not, it's going to affect people differently. As yeah. long as you're affecting people, you have a stronger opinion of the jerk than you would the out of towners. It's like it's a forgettable movie. You watch it, whether you liked it or not, you're just mm-hmm. gonna move on with your life. But the I, jerk. I mean, it was nice to see Goldie Hawn and Steve yeah. Martin. I both love. I mm-hmm. love both of them as comedic yeah. performers. I thought they were good together. But your point's taken. Yeah, jerk is The jerk you're gonna be like turn it off, and it's like gonna get love it or hate it. It stands out. Exactly. Yeah, and that kind of goes what I was saying earlier about Steve Martin in the sense of love or hate. You either like him or you. Forget about him. You know, he's one there are of those... people who don't like any, like uh, Chris Farley exactly. or uh, yeah. any Jerry exactly. Seinfeld, anyone. Some people mm-hmm. are just not that into it. And uh, well, I, I'm just saying, I think the jerk is like that for Steve Martin in the sense of you either really love it or you're someone who, and maybe you get it, maybe you don't. There are probably a lot of people who don't get this movie who just don't. Like, like Ebert said in his review, some people were laughing. People weren't. Right. You know, well, and Ebert wasn't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think The Jerk is really a comedy geeks film, too. Like, mm-hmm. same thing with Monty Python and the Holy Grail and mm-hmm. movies like that. They so commit fully to making it an absurd comedy, and they make fun of the conventions of movie making in general, that it's only going to appeal to people that are really maybe tapped into that. Well, I wouldn't say that. There are people who get it, and it's just not their thing. Yeah. But I think... I think there's a reason why Father of the Bride is going to make more money than Holy Grail, and there's a reason that it's going to make more money than The Jerk. Although The Jerk was a very profitable movie, it was one of the biggest hits of its year. I think it's but it's less mainstream. It's less. Yeah. They're less mainstream. Well, they're we're not, not even talking about money here. You know, and, yeah. and, and I and I don't necessarily think it's fair to say that it's 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 in this elite movie for you know comedic elites necessarily because I think you can still have a wonderful sense of humor uh, and be a 
not even a funny person yourself, but have a, a really strong appreciation or be tapped into comedy and still not maybe get a lot out of this movie or any movie. Ace Ventura. Or you didn't love, yeah, yeah. love Father of the Bride. Exactly, It's exactly. not like if you like Father you know, of the so Bride. I don't necessarily yeah. know if I would say that. I get where your mind's at when you say that. Mm-hmm. But as someone who I like to think I have a decent taste for comedy and, and uh, you know, it's, it's like I talked about earlier, it's not really a movie that I always really like or revisit a lot. You know, I mean... It was what it was for me. It's not my favorite comedy. It's not my favorite Steve Martin role. Um, I get what, what is you your guys, favorite Steve Martin I get role? what you guys are saying with it. You know, I don't really know. Like, um, for the most part, I really like him and everything I see him in. But The Jerk is, I'm going to make it, you know, shamed here, but it's probably maybe my least favorite. Only because it is really over the top. Um, it's harder for me to connect with that character mm. is my thing. But is he a character that's meant to be connected with in that way? I don't way, think that's or the point, more, Sean. I think yeah. the point is you watch a movie, you either get it, you like it. Same way I am with Richard Dreyfuss in Close Encounters. Mm-hmm. You guys love that movie. I know it's your mom's favorite. I don't get a lot out of it. It's not something that... I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying it's not my taste. I have a couple uh, female friends who think about Richard Dreyfuss in that movie the same way you think about Steve Martin. Yeah. They're like... Oh, so you're driving. I'm yeah, serious. They're like, exactly. Exactly. You know, I want Wayne from an close encounter. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, and, you know, it doesn't mean that that it's better or worse. It just means that everybody gets something different out of it. You know. Um, sure. I, you know, I, I really like planes, trains, and automobiles. I know Scott always we watched it not that long ago, and he said, like, oh, I don't like Steve Martin that much in this. You know, he sure. felt, you know, and, and that is what it is. Um, we're not we're not here to say people are wrong. We're yeah. doing this podcast to explain why exactly. we think that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess I was just saying, you know, I don't necessarily think it's fair with this movie or, or any movie to, to classify it as like a, like an elitist type. Only the elites that understand comedy can get it. You know, I don't necessarily <laughs> think that that's fair. Well, I, I, I think there is a fairness that. in that, though, that there are people that comedians tend to love those type of comedies, like... Like, like they would go. I think it's more of a comedian's film than someone who maybe isn't as heavily into comedy may either laugh or not. Like it, it, there is maybe a, I understand the I wouldn't say I understand the jerk on a deeper level than the average person, but that seems like a lot of comedy people are drawn to this more than because the like average said, person. And it's hard to maybe pinpoint why. I'm not like necessarily saying elite, but I'm he's saying people. Commentary on comedy. Yes, that's and probably so what it is. They are more attuned to that and can pick up on the deeper meta levels of it. That might be what it is. Yeah, that's probably what I was was getting at with and, that. And you know, everybody has their own different taste and style in comedy. Some people love physical comedy, and those folks probably really enjoy The Jerk for that reason. Yes, Jason right. Ventura is the same way. Right. Other people maybe like a little bit more what I kind of call sophisticated or logical comedy, subtle comedy, um, and maybe there's someone who's not. Which I think is where I fall more into myself. So maybe that's why I don't get a whole lot out of the jerk the same way that you guys do. Because it is very abrasive in your face. A lot of physicality going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like sort of over the topness. Not in a bad way. Just it, you know, it just is, there's a lot going on. Um, Well, it's interesting though because you you do love Ace Ventura. So what is it about Jim Carrey's over the top that appeals to you more than Steve Martin? And it's not a... I'm really curious about yeah. that because that's an interesting point. Because I think that, and, and Jeremy touched on this a little bit earlier, um, and I may not regurgitate it in the same way, but he had mentioned that some people with a funny hat, some people wearing a funny hat to say, hey, I'm wearing a funny hat, here's me wearing a funny hat, versus reacting to the funny hat. Here's There's a why. reason why you're wearing a funny yeah. hat. And I think for me, anyway, 
Ace Ventura was more of, here's why I'm acting this way, versus I'm just wearing goofy clothes and I'm, you know, flipping my hair. Yeah, yeah, and that's a joke. Because his outfit, his his exterior was not really the joke in that movie. Um, it was really his mindset. You know, he... It, where I laugh the most in Ace Ventura is not with the physicalities. It's what, with what he says and how he says it. And in the environment in which he says it and to whom. You know, like, um, more so than... There are some physical parts that are really funny, like when he does it. Mission Impossible spoof, and he, like, jumps on the wall. You know, of course, I think that just makes you laugh. Um, but for me, I get more of the mental side of it from that movie. More than him talking with his butt. Exactly. Like, yeah. I didn't really laugh at that part. That part, I was kind of like, oh, the most he's, cerebral talk- part he's talking yeah. with his butt like Bart Simpson. Ha, ha, ha. I laughed whenever he went to have the conversation with Lois Einhorn, you know, and she's like, I'm going to make your life a living hell. And he's like, well, Lois, I'm... Not really ready for a relationship. <laughs> and he says, "When I am, I'll give you a call." You yeah, know? I mean that made me really because it was smart, you know, um, mm-hmm. and unexpected. It was and really character unexpected. driven. And character driven. And then he's like, "Alrighty then," <laughs> and like walked out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, you're asking me a question, and that's kind of where I think I my sense of humor appeals more to to uh, what you call it, Ace Ventura, than maybe the jerk. Also, I want to point out that when Ace Ventura came out, I was about ten or twelve. Uh, of course, that's, right a big, that's a big factor. Which was also right around the same time you saw The Jerk. That's probably so true. So in the way that The Jerk influences you, I, yes. think, I think it would be fair to say that maybe the Ace Venturas of the world have yeah. more of an appeal to me because that's what I grew up with. I think that's... It's the same thing, like, why is the music you listen to as a kid? Mm-hmm. Or, or as a teenager... And as a 20-something, why is that still the same music you uh-huh. kind of still like? And yeah. it's like you, and I, it's, it's because I think that's, there's, well, there's nostalgia. Nostalgia yeah. is huge, and it's really hard to, mm-hmm. and I was reading an article about that, and it's like, it's, it's for everybody, you know, everybody grows up, there's that moment of time where you're just taking in all this new music, new movies, everything, everything, and everything. And you identify with it. And, yeah. And then all of a sudden... Yeah, but still taking new stuff, but you say my favorite movie mm-hmm. still because I saw it at my peak information right. taken in time. Well, well, what that I was wondering about that though, in terms of comedy, like what does that mean for something like Chaplin, which nobody does has that nostalgic attachment to it? Where does the worth go as future generations go with this stuff? Is it that comedy only is generational, or is it no, something that's going to transcend? I don't think it's generational. My my remark in that regard was more so. I th- you're asking me why do I feel this way towards these two movies and for me I think a lot of it was I was at a, at a more influential age with Ace Ventura um, versus The Jerk and also uh, I, as I've learned my style of comedy is not the over the top physical mm-hmm. you know so that's a big part of it too we talked about The Mask earlier and I think that was a better comparison to how The, the Jerk and The Mask I think would be a probably a better comparison to, to, to the two than Ace Ventura. I do think Ace Ventura, because of the, the high quality of the character and the neuroses of that character, it really is different. And I'll say, I didn't really care that much about the mask. I liked Jim Carrey a lot, loved him in Ace Ventura, liked the Truman Show, 
but I remember watching the mask thinking, this is just stupid, ridiculous, in your face dancing, green face. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of mugging, and I was like, oh, I don't have time for that. Well, what's also interesting is I think Scott and I, our favorite Jim Carrey comedy is probably Dumb and Dumber, which probably is in line with the jerk in some way. Very like, I think good. it's yeah. they're in that yeah, same ballpark. I don't see Dumb and Dumber getting made without yeah. the jerk. Yeah, the Dumb and Dumber is almost like a sideways sequel to the jerk, because it's a lot of the same humor. It's like, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah, where are we going to get a job in this town? Yeah, unless you want to work 40, 40 hours, hours a week. week. I mean, it's yeah. just like, it, it's that, it's, there's a lot of those types of jokes in the jerk. I mean, it's, it's like the snails and, you know, he play, he's an idiot. Yeah. I mean, a jerk is, I always thought it was a weird name for a movie. He's not really a jerk, sure. he's an idiot. Yeah. You know, he's yeah, a naive yeah. idiot. And Moron, even. I guess jerk kind of meant something different back then. It was more of like, you know, you could, you're a moron like a now. It's more scene. like an yeah. asshole now. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, that's like that old time, the cool jerk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool jerk. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin McAllister. <laughs> but I think, I, I think this movie, it's, it's, it's of its time in, in some ways. I think that's what the brilliance of it, because it's, it's, this movie didn't have a huge budget, you know, so it's going to be of its time. People, you know, but it's also You're shooting on location for one, you know. Yeah. And it fast tracks, I mean, you don't even know what the time frame of this movie is. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. probably at least 15 years. I mean, yeah. it goes, they try to make an epic film. They intentionally try to make an epic comedy condensed mm-hmm. in an hour and 30 minutes. Like mm-hmm. an epic, you know, so he's going from where you see him in the beginning to the end. It's probably 10, 15 years. Yeah. And. Um, Which would make sense as to why the family would have harbored that much money yeah. over that time. They said they invested it and stuff. And there's a lot, of, and I guess my sense of humor, too, there's a lot of, like, attempts at, uh, there's jokes in here that are just non-traditional, where they, the, the jokes that, like, go on maybe longer um, than, you know, the joke is that he just keeps going and going, and he's not stop. You think, you know, normally in this movie, he would stop talking at this point. Mm-hmm. But he keeps going on mm-hmm. and on and on and on. Like, when he's, you know, he's like, I, I don't need anything else but the stool. Yeah. And there's that time where he's like, you know, we've been together three days and 45 minutes, but it's yeah. actually felt like nine hours, mm-hmm. 45 minutes, and that felt like three minutes. You know, he just keeps going on and on. And that stuff's funny to me, mm-hmm. but I know that's not a bag for everybody. You know, right. we're going to be like, oh. And there's also a song in a movie, like a sentimental song, and he plays mm-hmm. a Bernadette Peter, which is Steve Martin's favorite part of the film, but people mm-hmm. during the film, he guess what, well, he got he was popcorn. Da- wasn't yeah. he dating her at the time yeah. that they filmed this? He was on the time. Yeah. But it was a sweeter moment, mm-hmm. and I, he was, he, this was actually, I think this movie was actually him excavating his comedic ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So that he can go on and do other stuff. Yeah. And, mm. and he quit which would, which would explain why he never made another movie... Oh, well, uh, Man with Two Brains is actually similar to this, actually, which I, I noticed was very much, but that might have been a concession to maybe if he was trying something else, maybe he went back to this. Yeah, but that was of, like, that seemed like a normal progression because that movie's a little bit tighter in terms of the story. That's probably an, an yeah. accurate. Higher yeah. budget and stuff. Yeah, yeah. oh, budget. yeah, much, yeah. much higher budget. Yeah, it Kathleen was, Turner. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still Good. a very, very excellent movie. Very Who's funny. Great. Yeah, he was. In fact, that would probably be one of the first movies I would show people yeah. that really, because that's a good movie to get in, because I think there's stuff to latch on to. Which one? Uh, the Man with Two Brains. Because it has a story, mm-hmm. but in the, on it, comedies relates to the story, but Steve Martin would still be Steve Martin in a lot of ways. The Jerk is just all Steve Martin. Steve Martin's a central theme. Oh, but, right. But in The Man with Two Brains, too, Steve Martin's doing, he, he's, he's the Jekyll and the Hyde. Yeah. And what I mean by that is he's still the suave, good-looking Steve Martin on the outside, you know, that, that I so love. 
And then he's the goofy jerk, you know, mm. in some scenes as well. He's kind of doing it both. Yeah, he is. He's and like turning it off and on. There's a section in that movie, too, where he's having two brain surgeries take place at the same time to rush so he could have sex with Kathleen <laughs> Turner. And it's amazing just how he does. It's and the she, movement. Yeah. She ends up turning him down. Yeah, which is fantastic. Because <laughs> uh, I think those are... And it's the same director, Carl Reiner, who is a comedic genius himself. Oh, yeah. He yeah. was creator of the Dick Van Dyke Show. Absolutely. He was a writer for mm-hmm. your show of shows. Mel Brooks Association with the... It's funny man. you say Dick Van Dyke show. I could almost maybe see Dick Van Dyke being the jerk. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dick, Dick Van Dyke was a great physical comedian, mm-hmm. and he had a lot of he had yeah. a lot of Steve Martin. In it. Yeah. Steve yeah. Martin obviously had the more absurdist bent, but Dick Van Dyke was definitely he was he looked, on the outside. He yeah. looked like the yeah. man, yeah. but he was this comedic foil. You know, you could also tell that Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks used to work together. When you see the Carl Reiner movies he directed with Steve Martin and stuff Mel Brooks was directing, I think Mel Brooks had a greater talent as a filmmaker period in terms of the look of his movies and, and he had, the, I think he had instruction. A, he had a more defined taste he did which is something that you know I really latch on to certain directors is for their taste their aesthetic mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. things of that nature he was really he had you know just more defined yeah you say Mel Brooks you know what you're oh getting. you do you do it's a branding thing yeah. completely yeah. with him and it's funny like the only other person I could think that would be in Young Frankenstein outside Gene Wilder playing that role would be Steve Martin I can see yeah, it. I can absolutely see. That would be he'd be perfect for that. You In fact, know? like if I was casting, I would probably look at Steve Martin first before Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. Yeah. Well, I mean, nothing against Gene Wilder. Yeah, Gene right. Wilder is excellent. But yeah. that that's that role. That's the type of role that Steve Martin would. Oh, yeah. I, like you could easily tailor the man with two brains, his example, to Gene, Gene Wilder. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. because it's like yeah, young absolutely. Frankenstein almost in, uh-huh. in a lot absolutely. of ways. It's a modern uh, young Frankenstein. Yeah. So. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I love both of them. I, you know, they would be among my two favorite comedic actors, even though there's definitely differences. Sure. You saw Blazing Saddles with us last yeah. year, wasn't it? Or two years uh, ago? I've seen Blazing Saddles a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we went and saw it at, at the uh, Kappa. I thought yeah. you were there. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think we did it with Amanda, too, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. yeah. That's one of my top three favorite movies of yeah. all time. Oh, me too. Sure. It's fantastic. You know, I'm a big of those early Mel Brooks movies, like The Producers, Blazing Saddles, and Young Frankenstein are like mm-hmm. my still. Oh, my Young Frankenstein is just brilliant. I think it oh. is. I I love that movie more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one we'll have to cover for sure mm-hmm. at some point down the line. Yeah. Um, well, there goes this podcast. I know exactly. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was banned. That's probably my yeah. favorite part. So yeah. yeah, we have a couple, a couple on the list now to cover. I know we do. Yeah, we, we do. Have. We have to do Father of the Bride. Yeah. And the Waterboy. Yeah. Waterboy. <laughs> <Water Boy. laughs> I can't wait to revisit that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Waterboy is coming up soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to revisit and that again. An intellectual discussion about the Waterboy. Yeah, let's deconstruct what let's they were actually doing yeah, with Kathy Bates' yeah, character. It was a, you know, it was a post, uh, <laughs> post-Monica Lewinsky America deconstruction. In pre-Katrina, Louisiana. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. It's more of a time capsule to a simpler time. It is. <laughs> um... So to sum up, how do you guys, I mean, we kind of covered it anyway, but like, did this viewing change your view if you weren't kind of lukewarm to the movie before? Did you have a better appreciation or did it kind of reaffirm what you already thought overall? I'll start with uh, Tony and go around. Um, Well, I mean, I think I pretty much throughout the podcast sort of voiced my thoughts on the, on the film, you know, do I think it's a classic? Absolutely. You know, um, is it my personal favorite? No. But that's okay, you know? 
But I think Steve Martin is really a comedic genius, and, and he does get to shine in this movie, especially young Steve Martin um, during his stand-up and, you know, the person that he was at that point in his life. I think he used the jerk as a really smart vehicle to, to show what he can do. Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, I love this movie. This, this is, uh, I, I, you know, honestly, I wouldn't say it's my favorite comedy, but uh, it, because I think there's a like a Caddyshack version to it. I like, like you said, Carl Reiner's not the most sophisticated filmmaker. Mm-hmm. It is kind of uh, there's not down parts that aren't funny, but there's thematically, uh, you know, as a film, uh, there are aspects that are, you know, probably, you know, uh, I think there are moments where you could. Uh, you know, I like it when you take it back. It does go over the top, and it does try a lot. So there are misses in some regard, but the, the hits are so great. And Steve Martin goes, you know, is full of blum in this movie. Like he goes full throttle. And uh, it, I mean, if you're a fan of Steve Martin, like we've talked about, this is this is, you know, as good as it gets as far as you know that period of time, the late '70s, when he was at his. You know, he was at the top of the pedestal, you know, selling out stadiums, doing stand-up comedy. This is, this is pretty much the, the end of the line there, where he transitioned to, into other stuff. But I think it's, it's really funny. I, you know, I quote it all the time, and it's, you know. You do? <laughs> in, in her monologue. <laughs> I, haven't the, I probably don't quote. Uh, I don't really quote movies. I quote. I quote, I quote <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm a liar. He's <laughs> a quote machine, people. Yeah. Don't. We should impeach yeah, yeah. him from the podcast. Sadly, I, I end up quoting a. a, a <laughs> There's a rap video with Barney rapping that I quote all the time to Tony. It's amazing. And uh, that's what I quote. (laughs) It's It's notorious B.I.G. singing Big Papa and somebody like, (laughs) someone put that in the background of this like Barney compilation so it looks like Barney is Biggie. It's amazing. (laughs) And Puff Daddy says like, I like this in the song. And it's one of the like little dinosaurs and he's like, I like this. It looks like I don't know why I I, I quote it to her. I just go around and say I like this. (laughs) And it's just dumb. But uh, yeah, I don't quote Kanye Shack or that. I quote that. Just rapping Barney. Rapping Barney. Rapping Barney. But no, I I love this movie. Short answer. um, Quintessential Steve Martin. Quintessential Steve Martin. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I would summarize a good, not great movie for me, and I look forward to seeing The Jerk 2 with Adam Sandler. <laughs> there actually is a Jerk 2 out there with another actor. I'm what? not joking. It was a made-for-TV movie wow. in the 80s. Wait, it was supposedly terrible. It's called The Jerk, well, like comma, Anthony, 2 oh, oh. Like Anthony oh, Michael yeah. Hall or something? Or? Uh, oh the actor, he was a character actor. Let me uh, bring up that information right now. Wow. I'm glad you brought that up. It, it solved all the unanswered <laughs> questions from The Jerk 1. Because we needed The Jerk 2, guys. America you know? needed it. <laughs> it's yeah. like Cheers 2. That restaurant. It was from Cheers 1984. It was God. Mark Blankfield was the actor who Mark, played him. Who wow! Is that? And Mark Blankfield was in the Mark Blankfield. If you know uh, Mel Brooks, he played Blinken in Men in Tights. That's the actor oh. who played the jerk. Oh. Uh, the whole movie's on YouTube. <laughs> great. If you're that's throwing a ticket. Wow. That's the mark of some movie. That's that's great. Straight I, to YouTube. I have not seen this. This is the worst idea since I heard of Easy Rider. To the ride back. The ride which is, back. <laughs> the ride uh, back. That's another story that's for another time. Hey, Ray Walston's in it. Well, if Ray Walston's yeah. in it, I'm sold, you know. You had me at Mark Blankfield. Yeah, Mark Blankfield. Um, oh my gosh. I love this movie. Uh, I love this discussion, too, because it kind of breaks down how subjective comedy taste can be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I love this stuff. 
Um, I, I, I love this movie. I, I think it is the quintessential Steve Martin vehicle. I think this is the purest distillation of a stand-up act on screen as you could possibly get. I think mm. his comedic point of view is best displayed on this. I love Scott's comment about the direction from Carl Reiner in comparison to like Harold Ramis and Caddyshack. I think those guys are comedy writers that are directing versus someone like Mel Brooks or Woody Allen or the Pythons actually yeah. where they are filmmakers like, like their auteurs. movies look they are yeah. auteurs they they um, their movies are visually stunning and who they, did Airplane? Uh, that was, the Zuckers would Zuckers, be in that same yeah, that same ballpark the, same way too. So the direction is so tight yeah. in those movies mm-hmm. they are directors films and I think right. that movies like The Jerk and Caddyshack are writers films because they're not visually exciting they're more about the jokes and the conceits and the dialogue yeah. you know and I'd say like Animal House falls into that category too right some of the slob comedies like of the 80s yeah I think the slob comedy is definitely although I would say Ivan Reitman and, and, and uh, John Landis is actually an excellent director who directed Animal House but it was a Harold Ramis movie mm-hmm. so that falls right into that ballpark uh, Landis directed the Thriller video with Michael Jackson oh, wow. and American oh, wow. Werewolf in wow. London wow. Yeah, and the Blues That's Brothers cool. so yeah. he, he's kind of more in the line of Mel Brooks and because yeah. a filmmaker a guy that actually mm-hmm. studied film and, and went there I think that makes a difference with some comedies I think with the tightness yeah. and consistency I think you want somebody that well, has that it's kind of like uh, not to get off track here but The Graduate with by Mike Nichols yeah great movie Ph- phenomenal that's a director's movie but it has wonderful comedic you know writing in it <laughs> Yes, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, yeah. we've already covered that. Yeah, we. I, I could yeah. rave about that for for days. But I, I just, you're talking about that, so. Maybe no, no, I, 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 love that. You know how much I love yeah. that too. Um, I, 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 I agree with that, but I think because I, I think I when I watch movies like The Jerk and Caddyshack, I'm more drawn to the actors and the dialogue and what make, that hits me. And I think there's like a side of me that's a pure comedy side, and there's a side of me that's a direction. And I've always had that weird history with movies like that where it's like yeah this is kind of a, a it's very a low budget movie <laughs> you know yeah. like they didn't put a lot of effort into it's very the scenic visually. that's yeah, what I think you know but so I still love yeah. the comedy and, in it. and you can watch it this this movie is a series of, of sketches really yeah and oh, yeah. you could this movie is as enjoyable as it's a five minute sketch on YouTube as it is watching the movie you can yeah. watch yeah. one scene yeah and, and it's like it's still yeah. it's it it says enjoyable, and that can either be a, a denouncement of the movie or just. just, just I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I yeah. Anything wrong with that? So I think it's. I mean, even if you just saw a couple of clips on it, I think the it's that's. I think the movie in some ways is kind of built for that. It's not you mm-hmm. know you gotta watch the full footage film of the you know. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. It's, I'm glad that you said that because that's how I feel with the movie when I when I actually try and sit down and watch it. It's hard for me to kind of just watch it all in one setting hour and a half how long is it two hours it's about an hour and a half uh, yeah yeah whereas i if i just pop in and check out a scene it makes me giggle or maybe and then i'll yeah. walk away uh, that's that's an interesting um observation on that yeah i i think another great thing would be like you don't have to watch the jerk in a movie theater to enjoy what's great about the jerk mm-hmm. or i think young frankenstein or blazing saddles something elevates it when you see it on the big screen because mm. it was designed by a guy who knows how to make a movie it's a visually film. yeah it's a yeah, film it yeah it's a, it's a film <laughs> it's not a movie <laughs> it's not that movie anymore it's cinema um speaking of which uh, i've always said the best way to enjoy a film if you can't see it in the theaters on the big screen is on blu-ray and the jerk has been released on blu-ray it was released in 2006 
kind of reinforces you don't really have to see the jerk in a movie to enjoy it. in fact i think it's one of the few films that's probably better to watch on tv mm. in a way than maybe film because it breaks it up the right break it up tony kind of nailed mm. it on the head so i want to thank jeremy for coming on today i yeah. like that we brought someone on that may not be the biggest fan of the movie it gives a more interesting discussion in a lot of ways oh this uh, is so great uh, yeah. thanks so much for having me on we love having thanks. you on yeah, you're welcome. one of the best thanks for coming yeah. and uh, is there anything coming up Jeremy that you'd like to promote uh, any shows or anything of that nature uh, well uh, I'm going to be starting with the Herald team at the Nest Theater in Columbus Columbus oh, is excellent. only uh, uh, purely improv theater uh, of course I uh, do a uh, weekly improv meetup for beginners and veterans alike it's Free and if uh, you're around Thursday seven to nine, uh, it's at Grasso's in German Village, um, and everyone's welcome to attend. So, mm-hmm. hope to and see it everyone is there. fun. It is. I haven't been in a while, but it is a lot of fun. Yeah, and we Good get people. new people all the yeah. time, and it's so yeah. Well, congrats on your. Um, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it. Not a position. But your opportunity at the oh, Nest. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes. Now, where is the Nest? Tell tell the listeners. Uh, it's, where it's in at. Franklinton on Broad Street, okay. and if you uh, just Google the Nest Theater, uh, Columbus, Columbus yeah. sure, uh, then uh, yeah, it'll pop right up. Perfect. So. And uh, you also write articles for the Cleveland Plain Dino or Cleveland.com. Well. Yeah. Yes. True. Awesome. So. And uh, you guys also have. I know Tony oh, have a show. That's right. That's right. And uh, two weeks from now on Wednesday, September twentieth. I'll be performing in an all-female comedy improv show over at the Shadowbox Live's Backstage Bistro, mm. um, hosted by Hashtag Comedy. It's a show called Girl Prov. Girl Prov. Woo! And uh, it starts at 8. Uh, do get there around 7.30, though, for parking and all that good stuff. Um, $5 to attend. I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we've got some great girls in the lineup and, uh, you know... Good it's things a great happen. Show. Yeah, it's the a really past great. Ones have been wonderful. It's a really great show, and, and you know, hashtags are a phenomenal group, and they're great at producing you know really good improv shows. Um, so if you're out and about or available that Wednesday night, swing by the bistro and say hi. It'll be great. Uh, you can give me a suggestion. Just don't say Richard Dreyfuss. <laughs> <laughs> Although you have a lot to say on Richard Dreyfuss. Right, right. When you watch Always, I'm sure your head explodes. It does. Because Audrey Hepburn's in it with yeah, Richard yeah. Dreyfuss. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's... Who, who could compute that? How did it happen? In her position. Yeah, reboot, reboot. Yeah. yeah, so I could find Audrey Hepburn quotes saying good things about Richard Dreyfuss. Oh, my God. If anyone could find Audrey Hepburn quotes <laughs> saying weird things about Richard Dreyfuss, I'd be a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, t- tell us uh, your opinions on a jerk. You know, we like to live here, and that would be very interesting mm-hmm. to continue our discussion. Yeah. But yeah, Sean and I will be at the Improv Wars October 12th. Um, oh, that's right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, we are. We're at the Backstage Bistro. It's another show yeah. produced by Hashtag Comedy. Yes. Right. Yes, it is. So just uh, follow the same information that Tony told you for her show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's a Thursday night. Um, and get there at 7.30, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's $8.00. I'm not sure. I think five dollars. Is five dollars? Five dollars. Okay. Used to be. It's discounted now. <laughs> Wheel of Brothers. We're, we're the jerk. We're the low budget. If you like the jerk, you like the Wheel of Brothers. <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh my gosh, Scott! Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep, keep yeah. Stupid. All right. Well, you buy from Scott. It's eight dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And so, thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks again to Jeremy, and, and we'll certainly have him on again sooner than later. And uh, have a great time, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Maven, you have taken in $15 and given away 50 cents worth of crap, which gives us a net profit of $14.50. It's a profit deal. Takes the pressure off. Get your weight gas right here, only a buck. Actual live weight getting. Take a chance. He hates these cans. You must you care for another bottle of the Chateau Latour. Ah, uh, yes, but no more 1966. Let's splurge. Bring us some fresh wine, the freshest you've got this year's. No more of this old stuff. Oui, monsieur. He doesn't realize he's dealing with sophisticated people here.